gospel. So first of all, then Romans chapter three, um, very familiar verses from verse 21. Paul says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And may God bless that reading from his word. And then we move to the Galatian epistle again this morning and to chapter one, which should be becoming familiar to us. Chapter one, and uh, we're going to pick up at verse three down to verse 10. So Galatians chapter one from verse three down to verse 10. Paul says, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what we what, what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. And again, may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. Now, we've, uh, we've been looking here at the Galatian epistle, and uh, we're looking at how Paul uh, is seeking to defend the gospel of free grace, the gospel that he's preached to the uh, Galatian churches uh, on that first missionary journey. And he's defending that against a group of people described as the Judaizers, not in the scriptures, but in theology, they're described as the Judaizers. These are Jews who have a, um, who have been brought up in the Jewish faith and have, uh, who are claiming to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, but they're unable or unwilling to uh, come out from the rules and the regulations and the rituals and dependence upon those rules and rituals and regulations of the Jewish faith and accept that salvation is by grace alone. And uh, they're distorting the message that Paul has preached to the Galatian churches and the gospel that he preaches wherever he goes. 
and uh, they're distorting that message and they're confusing and harming the Galatian Christians by their doctrines. And they're being listened to by these Galatian uh, Christians. And this is the, the difficulty that they're coming over as being very plausible and uh, very sincere. Uh, but of course, uh, sincerity is not enough. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. There are a lot of people in our world who are sincere about what they believe. They, uh, they are sincere uh, to defend those ideas, but at the same time, they're sincerely wrong. And it's not going to get them anywhere by being sincere and being wrong. You have to be sincere and be right. And this is what the Apostle Paul is seeking to bring these Galatian Christians back into, into the uh, right understanding and right uh, Christian doctrine. Uh, and of course, there are, there are th these problems have been going on down through the ages. And uh, it's amazing that uh, they're still going on today. And if you look at the history of the ch Christian church, you, you, you find it happening all the time. People trying to add to the gospel, trying to make it better, if you like, as some people would, would, uh, would describe it. You know, you, you've only got to look at uh, around Christmas and look around Easter and you find people trying to add trying to make things so-called better or improve upon, upon what the Bible says, what the gospel actually says, what the gospels teach. And uh, I remember years ago that I was watching one of these Christmas films and it was a, a film you may have watched it with Kelsey Grammer in the, the guy who plays uh, uh, in one of the American sitcoms, uh, uh, Frasier. And uh, Kelsey Grammer, I think, was, if I remember rightly, he was supposed to be the son of Father Christmas. And uh, he was uh, kept in interfering with what Father Christmas was doing and uh, saying, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And uh, in the end, Father Christmas turns around in this film to Kelsey Grammer and says, uh, well, what are you trying to do? And, and Kelsey Grammer says, I'm just trying to improve Christmas. And uh, Father Christmas uh, turns to him and says, how can you improve Christmas? And of course, that makes, uh, it makes an important point that you can't improve on what God has done. You can add to it, but by adding to it, you, you don't add anything. Actually, you actually detract, you take away from what God has done. And, uh, you know, as we come to, to Easter, it's going to be the same as Easter. We're going to find that there are people who are trying to add to Easter. You know, instead of the, the simple glorious truth of the gospel message of Easter, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, they want to add to it. They want to add Easter eggs. They want to, nothing wrong with Easter eggs on their own, but if you're adding them, you're trying to improve the message of Easter, you can't do it. Better gifts, better feasts, better ideas, better ceremonies or celebration ideas or trying to improve on the on Easter but you can't improve Easter because Easter is perfect Easter is God's plan Easter is God coming into our world uh, on a saving mission through his son Jesus Christ and here in Galatians 1 7 Paul speaks of a of a gospel and it's verse 7 we're going to be looking at particularly this morning he speaks of a gospel that a, that appears genuine uh, but will leave you empty 
and uh, that it ensnares people by an, an impossible legal system. Now, I want you to notice, uh, if you will, that uh, in the NIV, the Bible I tend to use, the New International Version, um, it's different from the King James Version, and I want us to notice a slight difference here. In the NIV, the, the version that I've been reading this morning from verse 6, it reads, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now that's it in the NIV. Now if you've got a King James Version, if you use a King James Version of the Bible, you, it reads like this from verse 6. It reads, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, unto another gospel which is not another but there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of christ and this is really highlights the difficulty for the translators when it comes to interpreting from the original greek into the english language because what paul is literally saying here we need to be very careful of what he's he's saying so in verse 7 in the niv it reads which is really no gospel at all. But in the King James Version, it reads, which is not another. Now, over the years, down to the centuries, there have been those who have um, become confused by that verse 7. And they've interpreted it as Paul saying, this is not another gospel at all. It's just the, the same gospel with just a, a different way of explaining it. And uh, so what those people suggest those people who confuse suggestions that this gospel is just the same gospel. You know, it's just, just another way of interpreting the gospel, just another way of explaining it. It's not another gospel. But that's not what Paul is saying at all. He's saying this is a gospel that appears to be the same, but it is not the same. Now, it's interesting because Paul uses a Greek word here. And forgive me if I'm using, uh, going back to the original Greek, but in these verses, it's really important that we understand what the original Greek is, what Paul is actually saying when he's actually uh, writing to the, uh, to the Galatian people. He's using the word alos, which means another. And it's referring to something which is that something exactly the same in appearance, but difference in essence. It's so close, Paul says. It looks the same. It, it, it feels the same to some people. It, it's very hard to distinguish the difference between it and the real gospel. And that's the reason he uses the word alos. Now, he could have used another word, heteros, uh, another Greek word. And heteros means uh, uh, the same, but of a different sort or of a different sort. He could have said, this is a different sort of gospel, but he doesn't use that word heteros. He uses this word alos because what he's trying to do is to make clear to the Galatians that this is a gospel that, or this is a teaching that appears so much like the original gospel that it's very difficult at times to detect the difference between it. And this is a subtlety that, that, that of the enemy. This is a subtlety of Satan that he, he brings in teaching that looks so much like the gospel, uh, when in fact it isn't the gospel. 
it looks like it, but it isn't the, the, the gospel at all. And the greatest danger to the gospel is not um, sort of opposition from outside, but contamination from inside. These people were inside the church. These people appeared to be doctrinally sound. They used the language that the Apostle Paul had used. They used the scriptures that the Apostle Paul used. They'd come from the same background of the Apostle Paul. A lot of these Jews were, were rabbis, they were probably rabbis, or probably uh, men who had uh, learnt uh, the Old Testament, they had uh, been brought up through Bible colleges, they, had, uh, they knew vast quantities of scripture off by heart, they were men who presented themselves as being very orthodox, very sound, very knowledgeable, very truthful and yet they they weren't and this is the the great danger uh, these heresies that appeared to be sound but that was the or doctrine which has appeared to be sound but was not the judaizers in galatia appeared to be preaching with the same language the same scriptures they the same hymns even but they were distorting the message they would uh, celebrate christmas as, uh, as the others would, they would celebrate Easter the same way that uh, the other Christians would, even increasing probably the ritualistic elements to it. But they peddled their toxic message that Jesus isn't enough to save you. Jesus, you've got to add to Jesus if you want to be saved. You are not good enough. Jesus is not good enough. He's not enough. Now, I wonder if you've heard that little voice in your ear as a Christian over time. I wonder if you can relate to times in the past when Satan has come along and whispered that in your ear and said, you know, Jesus isn't enough. You need to make sure you do this and you do that and you do the other. You've got to add to what Jesus did if you want to be saved. I wonder if he's ever come along and said to you, you know, you're never going to make it. You know, you can never reach the standards of, of that God uh, wants for you. But do you not look at what you've done? Do you not see all the mistakes you've made, all the past, all the bad things? See, that's what Satan does. He likes to come along and he likes to... If you hold to the doctrine of the Judaizers, it opens you up to all of that. It allows Satan to come along and say, you're not good enough. Jesus isn't good enough and call you, cause you to become disturbed and, and sad. And we'll look at this disturbance again a little bit later on in this message. That's the first thing. This is a, and we need to understand this. This is, this is a message that is, that, that, that is very close. This, this is why down to the ages, it has been such a difficult thing to get rid of within the church because it is so very near. You know, there have been battles down to the church between Arminianism, which is the equivalent of the Judaizers here, Arminianism and Calvinism and or reform teaching and the teaching of Arminius. Arminius uh, incidentally was a comes from a came from the, the name of a, one of the great proponents of Arminianism, uh, Jacobus Arminius. He was that's where you get the, the name from. 
but but even if you come to, to more recent times, you find that again and again. You even find it in the times of the, the Reformation and that. You find that John Wesley, for example. Now, a lot of people have a lot of reverence for John Wesley, and uh, and, and he was a great man of God in, in many ways. But John Wesley was an Armenian, and he confused a lot of people. And sadly, the, 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 the history and the legacy of Armenianism still permeates through the churches today because of John Wesley and because of his teaching. And George Whitfield and others tried to take John Wesley aside and say, look, you know, you need to understand that you're not teaching the gospel here. You're teaching that Jesus isn't enough. And John Wesley just couldn't see it. And he was preaching salvation by grace, but at the same time, what he was actually teaching in, in, in the rest, in, in his other teaching, in the formation of his theology, was that you could lose your salvation, you could fall from grace, you needed to do you part, your part, and Jesus needed to do his part. Very, very dangerous. And yet a lot of people still revere John Wesley. And uh, as I say this, the, the, this, these heresies still permeate through the church. When we were at Bible college, Many years ago, this was in the 1970s, we, we had that problem at Bible College. Most of the students were, were uh, clearly reformed uh, theology, and, uh, but there were one or two who come from churches where they were, they were confused by this doctrine. And we had a, a large contingent of Irish students at the Bible College. They weren't going to tolerate that. You know, there were, there were these loud arguments that you would you would get here you know the, the the irish students who were clearly reformed in theology arguing with these other students because they understood just how dangerous that theology was so we need to understand that it looks the same but be very careful when you listen to people preaching because it isn't the same i remember years ago and i think i mentioned this before going to a, a conference with a, one of my colleagues uh, it was, uh, and at that meeting, there was this famous Baptist minister there. Uh, and I went to this meeting thinking that this guy was going to be absolutely sound. And he started on about, he started preaching Arminianism. He started preaching the ideas that, you know, you could lose your salvation. You've got to do this and you've got to live a holy life and this and this and this. No one's arguing that we should live good lives, but we live it in response to what Jesus has done, not in order to be saved. And that's the difference. And I was amazed that this Baptist minister was allowed to continue. And he's been on television. He's been on, on, on the various um, God channels and people revered him. And yet here he was going astray. Again, even we find as we move into this Galatian epistle, and we'll find it later on, that even Peter goes astray on this, this issue. And Barnabas are being led astray on this issue. So it was so close, so near, and yet so far, and so dangerous. Now, the second point I want to make is this, that um, this gospel that these, um, these Judaizers were preaching was not the gospel because it was not evangelion which is a greek word meaning good news it wasn't good news at all they weren't preaching good news they were preaching something that wasn't good news it was something that was going to bring these people back into bondage and if they weren't christians already they would even miss the opportunity of of being saved 
this is the the, the, the Christmas message is a is a message of good news. It's a message that uh, of the angels that uh, it's good tidings of great joy for all the people. It's a message of good news. The message of Easter is a message of good news. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's a message of, of good news. It's a message of a cross. A message of uh, a saviour who is dying for the sins of the world. A message of a, a thief there on a cross next to Jesus who has done nothing good who is dying on that cross, who hasn't been to church, who hasn't been baptized, who hasn't read the scriptures, who hasn't done all the ordinances that the Jewish people would like him to do. And he's just lying there, helpless and hopeless. But he turns to Jesus and he says, remember me when you come in your kingly power. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Just as I am without one plea except your blood was shed for me. And that you bid me come to you, O Lamb of God, I come. That was, that was his plea upon that cross. And that was enough for him to end up that day with Jesus in glory. God's good news offers us a saviour who will bear the sins and the punishment of the whosoever. Clothe us in the righteousness of Christ not our own righteousness but the righteousness of Christ and reconcile us eternally to our loving creator come to the cattle shed come to the cross but don't come deceived by the portrait of a limited savior don't come to those places with the idea of a, a shivering baby cold in a manger a weak character don't be deceived by a weak victim of roman oppression dying upon a cross that was the king in the cattle shed that was the king upon the cross dying to save the world from sin fulfilling God's predetermined plan and accept God's gift freely and, uh, and without a cost. You know, to the Judaizers, these legalists, this was all too simple, all too simple. It was all too humbling. It meant they had to get down from their lofty perches and understand who they would, who they were rather. It would leave their pride shattered. It would leave their self-reliance in ruin. It would rob them of the rituals they treasured and place them in the same needy place alongside the drunks and the prostitutes, all sinners in need of a savior. The third point I want to draw to your attention is Paul speaks of a so-called gospel that disturbs, a gospel that disturbs, a false gospel that is disturbing these Galatians, if you look at verse 7 here. And again, he uses a, a Greek word called terasso. It means to shake back and forth, throwing into deep 
emotional disturbance. That's what it means. So this gospel, this gospel of the of the heretics, this gospel of the Judaizers was a gospel that was going to, to shake and, and to confuse and cause people to end up in deep emotional disturbance. And this is what legalistic teaching does. This is what Arminian teaching does. This is what, with all due respect, even the teaching of John Wesley does. If you hold everything that he teaches there, it's a gospel that causes great confusion, great emotional disturbance. It causes people to be damaged in their mental health, many people, by holding to those views. Instead of feeling loved, instead of feeling safe, instead of feeling secure, instead of feeling accepted by a, a, lovingly heaven, a loving heavenly father, they become worried, they become uncertain, they become introspective, looking inside themselves, looking at their own efforts, looking at their own faults, looking at their own mistakes, their own shortcomings, thinking to themselves, well, you know, I, I might not make it to heaven at all. You know, this God who is uh, supposedly, who has sent his son, he, he hasn't done it all. He's expecting me. He's looking at me. He's criticizing me. He's got a big stick and he's got it over me. And if I don't go to church and if I don't read my Bible, if, if I don't pray enough and if I don't do what he tells me to do, he can take the gift of eternal life away from me. That's a teaching. That's a teaching. I can lose my salvation. Oh, how terrible that is. You know, the devil, the devil, he likes to come along. The Bible describes Satan as the accuser of the brethren. If you believe in salvation by grace alone, it takes all his power away. If you allow yourself to be drawn into a doctrine of works, a doctrine of the Judaizers, it opens a floodgate for Satan to come in and to accuse you of all kinds of things and leave you in a terrible state. This toxic, toxic gospel. You know, I, I've mentioned before and I will mention throughout this these studies because it's a really important point. I, I mentioned a book by a, a certain psychologist called Marlene Winnell and the book's entitled Leaving the Fold. And this... Uh, lady, this uh, psychologist has clearly been the victim of toxic gospel herself because she talks in terms of a, a toxic gospel. She criticizes the Christian faith, but what she's criticizing is not true Christianity. What she's criticizing is the doctrine of the Judaizers. She talks about grace, but then she talks about works, and it's a very confusing book. It's a, it's a very interesting book, because what she does in that book is she does expose the damage that's done by a toxic gospel. And she also challenges, to be honest, she, she challenges sometimes the way that we as Christians behave towards our families and the priorities we take. So there's, there's good stuff there in that. If you can divide it up. My uh, principal at the Bible College, Wesley Gilpin, way back in the 70s, he had a famous saying, he said, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. 
And uh, in his Irish voice, I can still hear him saying that time and again, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I've tried to learn to do that, tried to take on board the things that are important, but throw the rubbish away. And that's true with this book, that there are things that are important once it exposes these doctrines as being false and being damaging, the doctrines of the Judaizer, but also it does challenge us a little bit on, on sometimes the way that we behave as Christians and the priorities that we, we take. But, the, but this woman, she it, it encourages people to, to leave the faith. That's her solution. Leave the faith. Give it up. Give Jesus up. He, 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 he's not worth it. Instead of saying, look, you need to turn to the real Jesus. You need to turn to the real Savior. You need to turn to the real gospel. Read, read the gospel in Galatians. Read the gospel in Romans. Read the gospel in the New Testament. Read it as it is. Read the gospel in Ephesians. Understand what the true gospel is. Don't turn away from Jesus. Don't give up on Jesus, but turn to the real Jesus. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. He came to bring freedom. He came to give us life. I try to tell this to young people all the time. Jesus hasn't come to ruin your life. He hasn't to, uh, come to destroy your personality. He wants to bring it out. He wants you to shine. He wants you to be free. He wants you to enjoy life. He wants to take away that big full stop at the end of your life so that you can enjoy today. That's a gospel that the Apostle Paul was preaching. That's the gospel he's defending here. And that's the gospel that you and I need to defend as the days go on in our churches. Because there is such a lot of wrong teaching and wrong doctrine out there. Now, the, the, the word terasa, that word that I just mentioned there, you know, it, it's found in Matthew's gospel, found in other places, but it's certainly found in Matthew's gospel, chapter 2 and verse 3, and it's describing Herod's reaction to the news from the Magi of the birth of Jesus. Uh, and the Bible tells us there that Herod is disturbed. He's unsettled. He's traumatized because... Of course, Herod wanted to be king of the Jews, didn't he? He didn't want anybody coming along and telling him he wasn't the real king, that he, was a, that he should give up his kingship to Jesus. He was a man who wanted to be, be the king himself. It ruined his, his whole aim in life. All the goals that he had in life were going to be destroyed by the coming of this king, this King Jesus. It would threaten his ambitions, his right to rule. He didn't want Jesus. He didn't want to, he wanted to be king. He wanted to reign. It's not only the false gospel that disturbs. Sometimes the, the true gospel disturbs in that the true gospel challenges our own right to rule our own lives. Now, to some, the, the toxic gospel is, is more acceptable than a palatable one. You know, leave, leave me alone. I, I can make it on my own. This was a teaching of the Judaizers, or I need to do my bit. I, I don't want to give up the idea of making it on, on my own. I, I, I do not need Jesus to do everything. I, I am good enough. I am confident enough. I am, I, I am good enough to, to, to do my own part. But, but then the, you've got people like, like uh, this man, Herod, and he, he wanted to be king of his own life. 
He didn't want the real gospel because he wanted to be king of his own life. The toxic gospel to some demands intense legalism, but to others it requires hardly any allegiance at all. Herod was a, was a Jew outwardly, uh, but he had little interest in God. He, he built a magnificent temple, but he spent no time in genuine worship. There's one more use of this word Tereso here, and it's by Jesus in John's Gospel in chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples who were disturbed at the coming to the end of Jesus' life, he said, do not let your heart be troubled. He uses a good word, word Tereso here. Trust in God, trust also in, in me. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be disturbed. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at your own abilities. Don't look at your own goodness. Don't look at your own righteousness. Don't look at what you can do. Jesus said, believe in God. Believe also in me. Look at me. Look at me. If you're disturbed this morning, look at Jesus. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at yourself. You won't find good news looking inside. You won't. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the Christian faith. It doesn't matter how long you've, you know, you've, you've served the Lord. You won't find good stuff in there apart from Jesus, of course. But when you look out, look at him, you see nothing but good. You see a saviour who loves you, a saviour whose blood cleanses you from all your sin, a, a, a saviour whose righteousness clothes you. And God is looking at that. Look at Jesus. Don't let your heart be troubled. Whatever Satan is saying to you, today whatever he's whispering in your ear today don't be don't listen to that listen to jesus because it's all good news when you look at him it's all good news when you listen to him it's all good news and it will be for eternity when we can spend our time gazing upon his beauty gazing upon his love and worshiping him as he deserved now finally finally paul explains this so-called gospel that the Judaizers were preaching this false gospel that the Judaizers were preaching was a perverted gospel. It made the Greek word tolerate me one more time, matastrepho. Matastrepho means turning into the opposite, turning into the opposite. So Paul is making very clear that this gospel isn't pointing in the right direction. It's pointing you completely round and in completely in the wrong direction. And this is a terrible thing about the gospel, this false doctrine, this false gospel. It turns you around and points you in exactly the wrong direction. Billy Graham, years ago, uh, made a very, very important and pointed comment. He was talking about vaccination. And <laughs> interesting, it's a topic that we're talking about a lot today. They said, you know, some people, they are, they are vaccinated with a false doctrine, a false gospel, and it vaccinates them against the true gospel. It means that they become immune to the true gospel. They think they've got the gospel, and because they think they've got the gospel, they, they, they don't want anything else. So they close their ears to the real gospel. They close their ears to salvation by grace alone because they think they've got it. They think they can work their way to heaven. They think that they're going in the right direction, but they're not. And this is one of the most difficult things. You know, you can, you can talk to people 
who are not Christians, who are not involved in religion. It's much easier to talk to sinners, if I can put it in the virtue comes because we're all sinners, of course, but, you, you know, people who recognize, you know, I'm not good enough. I haven't been to church. I'm not, I'm not a religious person. It's much easier to talk to those people and to tell them about Jesus. And uh, Alistair and others will be able to tell you this. But if you've got someone that's got a doctrine, if you've got someone that's got some teaching, if you've got someone who thinks they've got Christianity, they say, well, I don't need to hear this. I don't need anything else. I, I, I've got my way to heaven. When in fact they're going in completely the wrong direction, they're going in the opposite direction from heaven. And they're going towards hell. And that is a terrible thing about the doctrine of the Judaizers. It doesn't just cause them to have all these disturbances in it, but it causes them to head in the wrong direction and causes their pride to rise so they weren't prepared to listen to anything else. Galatians chapter 5 and coming to the conclusion now, Galatians chapter 5, uh, we read them, Mark my words, says Paul. I, Paul, tell you, if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. What a terrible thing that is. And we'll look at that in a little bit more detail when we come to chapter five. But in closing, let me just give you one more illustration. Anne and, Anne and I, over the years, we, we've been involved in, in foster caring. And uh, we were involved with a, with a project through, through Bernardo's years ago. And it was a, a foster project where uh, young people who had, um, who had had bad experience in foster care, uh, they would come to us. And it was a particularly challenging project because these young people had been rejected, rejected, rejected. And coming into another situation, it was a very challenging situation. But, you know, there are, there are some people, if, if you hold to the doctrine of the Judaizers or Arminianism, whatever you, you want to call it, you know, it's like being, it's like being a foster child in, in the kingdom of God, if there wasn't such a thing risen, but I'm just using illustration here. It's the idea in your mind that you're a foster child you know, is God going to reject me? You know, is this going to be a, another opportunity for someone to reject me and turn me away? Because this was a young people, they would come and they would think, you know, if I'm not careful, they're going to reject me as well. All these other people have rejected me. These people could reject me as well. They, these young people were really screwed up. They were really, some of them were really um, uh, sad. They were so uncertain. They, they were so traumatized. They just longed for somebody to adopt them and some of them would say well, would you adopt me would you adopt me because they wanted to to have that sense of security now you and i the bible says we are adopted into the family of god we are not foster children you and i have been brought into the family of god and that is irreversible god has adopted us we are not foster children we should not behave like foster children in the kingdom of God. God is not going to reject us. He's not going to turn us away. He, 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 he will manage us. And if we misbehave, yeah, he will, he will manage us within the family. But it's a family affair. 
he will never, never turn us away. May God bless his word to our hearts this morning. Amen.